Welcome to the Who's He podcast. In an occasional series, we're going to be talking about those people who've been lucky enough to travel with the Doctor over the last 50 or so years. Yes, the companions. Those people who have stepped through the doors of the TARDIS, have been shown the wonders and the dangers of the universe, and travelling through time and space. And of course, we'll be discussing the actors who have brought these iconic roles to life. And my guest this week is one third of the Proctor Who podcast, rather fine podcast actually. It's Mark Atkinson. Welcome Hello. to the show, Mark. Welcome. Uh, hi, Phil. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. Now, of course, we are um, here to talk about your favourite companion. But before we get to that, uh, I would first like to ask you about your podcast. Right. Uh, before we go any further, um, how did the idea for Proctor Who come about, and why didn't I think of it first? <laughs> I can't answer that second question. <laughs> I am a lover of podcasts. I used to listen to quite a few Doctor Who ones, including yours, Phil. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, you get quite a few, and and also, you know, um, a lot of well, not a lot of them, maybe one or two prog rock podcasts as well. I enjoyed them both. I thought, wouldn't it be great if there was just something that combined these two things together? And I thought, well, I could do that. <laughs> and then I sort of, uh, I knew Bob and Craig previously. I'd met Craig maybe th- four or five years ago mm. at one of my gigs in Whitby. And whenever he used to come to my gigs, he used to, we used to stay afterwards and we just chat for ages about Doctor Who. And I thought, well, he's the perfect guy to get on the podcast. And I'd known Bob um, from musician circles for maybe six or seven years. Mm. And again, whenever I saw him, we always just talked about Doctor Who straight away. So... He was the other guy that obviously, you know, would have made a, a great podcast together, and it, so yeah, just pulled it all together and and fused our passion for for good music uh, with our passion for Doctor Who. Really, that's how it goes. Oh, excellent! So, how long was it sort of gestating with within you to to do a podcast? Because um, some people sort of take a a long time to to get going, or some people it's, yeah. just, it's, it's instant form. They just sort of crack on and do it. Well, which, which was it for you? Oh, it's probably a long time, maybe about a year and a half, maybe two years of thinking about it, and then hmm. just when Capaldi's first season was coming up, really, I managed to just pull it all together, just technically wise as well, you know, to be able to do it, yeah, the Wi-Fi and everything, and the recording means. Everything sort of came together just in time for that, really. So that's when we kicked off in, in beginning of season eight, and yeah, lovely. We just enjoy it. We just have a laugh. It's just funny, you know. It's good to laugh with your mates, isn't it? Oh, exactly. And, yeah. Yeah, and just share our our passion for the show, and sometimes our disagreements as well. I can't believe that Bob gave Blink six point five. Can you believe that? I time? can't believe that at all. Actually, oh, I'm still traumatized <laughs> by it. I tell you. <laughs> Seriously. Well, so I've been fortunate enough to, to guest on your podcast um, some some time ago, yeah. and um, I know as it sort of become a thing, really, where your guests get to get to pick a track, and yeah. um, and I, do I still hold the record for the longest track? You definitely feel it. Yeah, definitely. It was a fifteen <laughs> minutes long, wasn't it? It was. Yes, indeed. It was really good. Yeah. Though. It was really good. But yeah, it was funny. That made that made me realise that I could play a and you crazy diamond in the podcast and not worry about it. So, yeah, that no, was brilliant. No, I'm, glad made you, I was say, I'm glad I made you think anything is possible on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. You opened up new boundaries. 
Now, obviously, the sort of the um, your choice of music on um, on your mm. podcast, it was, I suppose, what a lot of people wouldn't strictly call prog, because I think yeah. when people think of prog, they think of like Yes and Genesis and, yeah, yeah. and, and, and bands like that. Yeah. Um, so, how what is your sort of definition of prog, really? Because you've, you've expanded the boundaries quite a bit there, really, haven't yeah, you? We have really, yeah. Especially when Craig's hosting without Callum and Ergon. <laughs> going on there. <laughs> No, we have really. No, it's just the. I think the point is that it's just we're just trying to play good songs. That's how I'm. I'm thinking of it. Yeah. And you know, most of the, my favourite sort of songs are, are sort of prog related, like Marillion, Porcupine Tree, Steve Wilson, Pink mm. Floyd, these sort of bands, you know, and lots of others and more new bands. But I do like to hear a good song first, so it isn't a, about all mad solos and time, you know, changes and things like that. Yeah. I just want to hear something that's going to stir your soul a little bit or. Whatever, that's my own personal choices. That's why I think the definition is a bit sort of more open than that. Do you know what I mean? I, I do, yeah, because um, prog can be quite self-indulgent. It can be, yeah, definitely. Can't it? Yeah. Um, especially if you look at things like, uh, I'll use an example, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Yeah. for argument's sake. I mean, they are sort of like, I think they're everything that's wrong with prog. Yeah, I know if, what you mean. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's all overblown and it's long yeah. keyboard solos or drum solos or whatever. It um, is what it is. It's probably its time as well. I think, it you is, know, and, and yeah. And Frog's might have moved on and, you know, there's certain bands like Rush. I've never got into Rush, you know. They've never done anything for me at all, Rush. No, no. Well, I'm, I'm the same with Yes, actually. Yeah, so am I. I'm the same with Yes as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I tr- try as much as, um, as I can to sort of get into them. Um, um, Paul, my uh, co-host, and, and Tony as well have sort of wax lyrical about Yes for, for a number of years and I just can't get into them at all. It's um, John Anderson's voice. Yes, exactly, yeah, same here. I yeah. can't get past it at all, yeah. <laughs> I really can't. Exactly, well, I'm a, I'm a singer, so that's my thing, so I, I like to hear a really good singer. I love hearing good singers, no mm. matter what genre they're in. You know, yeah. the, the, there's some, some amazing singers out there and it's great to hear a good voice. And so when I, my reaction to music in general is, is the vocal any good? Do you know what I mean? In a lot yeah. of ways. And a vocal can really make or break a, a song for me, definitely. So I like to hear good singers. And yeah, I mean, it's a personal thing. Geddy Lee's voice, John Anderson's voice, they just don't do it for me personally. That, but that's just my, my my taste. And that's what puts me off, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, see, I mean, they're all fantastic musicians in their own right. Um, yeah. I'm not sort of, you know, debating. I mean, Steve Howe's oh, a no, great, no. Gu- great guitarist. Um, Rick Wakeman, as well as being just like a legend, really, um, yeah. he's, he's a great keyboard player. But um, putting it all together, it just doesn't really do it for me, I'm yeah. afraid. It's just you know? a personal choice, isn't it? Personal opinion as well. This is what it's all about, really. Oh, it I is, mean, yeah. You know, I like to share, every time I host Prog I like to share three songs that I really like. And I think, I hope other people like these who've never, never heard of them before. Mm. But uh, sort of listening to them and thinking, this is a really good tune. And it sort of. You know, maybe opens them up to that band or whatever. You know, things like that. Really, just to yeah. share good tunes. I don't yeah. purposely play anything bad or anything like that. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know. As, as Craig or Bob ever turn around, you say, well, "Why? Why did you pick that song for?" No, not really. And, no, you know, and, and uh, this. Well, no, not really, because I mean, they're a bit random out there. Sometimes we try and link them with the show. You know, with the theme of the show. Mm. Sometimes I, I just do. I just pick three songs that I think are really good because it's just you know what it is. It yeah. breaks up the discussion, I think, and in, in a good way. I hope. So no, I mean, I've, and I've never stopped. Obviously, Bob or Craig uh, playing whatever they want as well when they host. That's the whole point, really. They have freedom, you know. Otherwise, mm. Callum and Oak wouldn't have never happened, would it? No, no, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
We got the uh, Impossible Planet and Satan Pits of Hack for that, aren't they? Better the uh, devil we know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, there's the theme. You did say there's a theme, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you said, um, you also briefly touched on the fact you're, you're a singer, um, yeah. and so you've been releasing your, your own stuff as well, haven't you? So we call your own albums. Um, how, how long have you sort of been in, sort of to, to coin a cliche, the business, as it were? <laughs> uh, well, I started when I was uh, 14 at school, really, getting a band together with my mates and I used to play bass and sing and I used to be the only one to dare sing you know yeah uh, so we, by the time we were 16 we were gigging uh, a mixture of our own material we always used to write it was never just playing covers we used to play a couple of covers but it was mainly just writing songs you know mm. and we we gigged a lot uh, in that um, you know them early years yeah and then I, I we went full time when I was 21 I think um, yeah about 1986 no, it'd be 1989. I went full time at it, basically, okay. with the band and just gigged a lot with them. And then we split up, and then I went solo and did loads of solo work in the clubs and things like that with backing tracks and guitar. Yeah. Which I didn't really like. It sort of destroyed me inside, really, but it was just a means to an end, really. And then I, now I do um, acoustic gigs just all on my own uh, with singing covers for people to enjoy, really, up and down the country, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really enjoy doing it as well. So it's, yeah. Well, actually, like I, I follow you on Facebook, um, yeah. and you sort you do list of how many gigs and how many miles you've done <laughs> in a week. Yeah. Um, you, you put some mileage in, don't you? Yeah, it's all part of the job, really. That you got to get your head down and do it. I don't drink, you see. I'm too tall, so it helps uh, that I don't drink. Obviously, when I'm driving, no. So I get a chance to listen to lots of big finish and lots of podcasts while I do the driving as well. That's the best thing about it, really. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of miles to try, but that's just part of the just like anybody's job. That's the worst part of my job. The best mm. part, ironically, is the bit I get paid for, which is the bit I'm sitting on my ass playing guitar and singing. Yeah, you know, that's a fun bit. I really enjoy singing, and I love you know having a laugh with the crowd and enjoying and thinking, wow, I'm getting paid for this. It's incredible, really. But yeah. I get you know, ironically, that's the bit I get paid for. Yet the the bad side is the tearing all the gear down, loading the car up, driving 300 miles back or whatever. You know that's what that's just what it is. That is the the business, as you say. Exactly. That's that's the life on the road, isn't it? Yeah, really, life on the road. Then it, my mum's in York. <laughs> <laughs> Rock have and you, roll. Have you ever thought about? Um, has there been times you just sort of thought about? You know, just jacking it in. You know, I've, I've you know I've had enough of this. I miss you know I miss my family. That you know that yeah. kind of thing. Or, or you just no, <laughs> no, never, <laughs> no, never. No, it's it's never been that bad yeah. for you. Because no. I, st- I earn a living by doing it, do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, that's my been my job for quite a while, and I don't really know how to do anything else. I can't do anything else. <laughs> I'm bloody useless in real life. Uh, but uh, So, yeah, I can drive, and I can sing, I can play guitar, so I can go out and play for people. No, I've never thought of giving it up ever, because um, I love it, you know. Yeah. I'd, I'd gig 52 weeks a year, basically. Um, I do, like, three or four a week. Uh, but that's my job. I get to see my family during the week, you know, when I'm not gigging on the nights off when I get. Yeah. Uh, so it balances out really. I, I, I bet I see my family more than you know a lot of people that work nine to five. I should say as well, probably. Well, yeah, probably more than I get to see mine actually. Which yeah, is, which is, and I'm, I'm a nine to five yeah. worker, you know. So yeah, it takes keep time, doesn't it? That's the thing. Well, it does exactly, exactly. So I suppose you, you've got the sort of the, the freedom, really, of, of well, if you don't want to gig that week, you don't have to, do you? Well, or I, if you're I gigging locally, have... then. Even yeah, well, better. I do in the sense that it's my family's only income as well. So, you know, I mean, we rely, my family relies on me to go out and gig and make the money to be yeah. here for the, you know, everything, like everybody does. Yeah. Because uh, my partner's out at work at the minute. So, you know, times are bad out there. But um, 
<laughs> I just giggle up basically. That's that's what it is when it's well, long as, to do, you know. Well, it's going to say as long as you enjoy it. That's that's the, the main thing, isn't it? Really. And I record so. as well. I write. I still write a lot. I've got my own little studio. That's what I'm where I am now. I'm sat in my little studio, surrounded by my Doctor Who collection and, <laughs> and my recording equipment, my guitars and everything. And I'm sort of working on a solo album now, and I'm another one, my fifth. And I'm working on um, an album with a band called River Sea, which is my sort of proggy type band. Yeah. That I, I do with Brendan Air. And so we're working on a, a yeah second album with that. So that's I'm hard at it really, but I love it because I love being creative. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. So when, when did you when did you release your your first album then? Oh gosh, uh, well it's hard to say. What we did, uh, <laughs> it's hard to say because I've been re- recording and releasing stuff with my band since I was a you know a kid really. I mean, mm. We did demos and released them as tapes. My, you know, proper first one was. I don't know. No, I mean maybe nineteen eighty five when I first released something. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah, since yeah. then it's moved from tape to CD. And I've always released, you know, songs because I've always written really. So it's been an ongoing thing. Oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> yeah. So, so when when's the uh, River Sea album due out then? Oh, that's the big question. Um, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping it's maybe late spring next year. That's that's what my intention is. So let's just hope we can pull it all together in time. There's a lot of factors involved with River Sea. Mm-hmm. A lot of getting, getting people's time and things like that. These things do take time. Yeah. But yeah, I'm hoping that that's when it'll be. But um, late spring. So it's coming along really well. I'm really pleased with what we've got so far. Excellent. And then my solo album, I'm just nearly getting to the odds and ended recording that really. And then that should be out in October. Ah, oh, brilliant, and, yeah. brilliant. So that's the next one. Excellent stuff. Now, not only are you a sort of a singer-songwriter, um, <laughs> you're, you're also um, an author as well, aren't you? <laughs> yes. Yes, not only your, your many talents there. So, yeah, you released um, a story called Eternal. Yeah. So what was the um, inspiration for that? Gosh, it, uh, there's a big inspiration, really. Um, it's, a, it's a story about searching for answers in life, to mm. life's mysteries like God and... Uh, the universe and religion and whatever and I always thought that a great idea for a story was that the doctor turned up and took someone back in time to to see you know to meet Jesus for example or to go back in time to the time of Moses or when the pyramids were being built and show them the truth of what happened yeah so so that's the I had this idea for this story that would go there and touch all them sort of points really and so I wrote it over seven years Wow. Uh, just for my own enjoyment, because I mm. loved writing it. I just loved writing it. And my mum was reading it along. My partner was reading it. There's a few people, my friends were following it as I was writing it. And they all were really enjoying it. Yeah. So, so yeah, it just took me seven years to do. And then I, I finished writing it and then put it online. Didn't really promote it that much. Couldn't really do much with it, because obviously the doctor's copyright. Obviously, yes, obviously. BBC. Yeah. So I couldn't do anything with it, really. So, yeah, then I came across the idea of doing an audio adaption for the end of the podcast. So uh, that took me a while as well. So yeah. That was fun. That was fun. Well, say it's gone down very, very well with, with your listeners, hasn't it? Well, some of them, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, 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 you know, I'm not sure there's a lot that maybe aren't listened to it, but it doesn't matter far. It was just for the, the people that wanted to listen to it, really. You know, I just yeah. wanted to see what I, where I could take it. And I really enjoyed putting it together and hearing it all come to, to life before my eyes, basically, yeah. Well, I say that's got to be the, the dream of every author, really, is watch it sort of come to life and, and yeah, sort of definitely. get released for people to, to, to listen listen to in this case. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, there, was, there was loads of chapter endings in there that, that were massive, you know, in, in, that were in my head right from the beginning. Yeah. And there were really big concept chapter endings and things like that. I had about 10 or 15, to be honest, during the whole thing. And so I had them in my head all the time I was writing it. So I knew I was going to get to that point, that point, that point, point. So when I was writing it and when I was doing the audio and 
for the people that followed along the adventure getting to them big chapter endings was was a big thing for me you know to to see it all sort of come to life so i really enjoyed it i loved it I love writing it and I loved performing it, really. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, is, is there going to be a sequel to Eternal? Is there going to be an Eternal no. 2? <laughs> no, no. That's it, the, all my ideas for a story were in Eternal. Full stop. Really. Full stop. <laughs> yeah, and if, you got, if you ever get to the end, uh, you'll find out why that is. Um, but, uh, no, I, I saw I used them all, really. I'd love to do something like that again, but it could never be anything like this. And I certainly haven't got another story up my sleeve, if you know what I mean. This was the story. You know yeah. when everyone says they got a novel inside and this was definitely mine. That was but, it. Yeah, yeah, that was it. I think I don't I haven't had an inspiration for any of it to be honest. <laughs> uh, but never mind. Never mind. Never mind. So, um obviously we are here to talk about your favourite companion. Yes. Aren't we? So, um would you like to tell everybody who you've selected to discuss? Well, tonight, Phil, I've selected uh Rose Tyler. Rose Tyler. Okay, why Rose Tyler? Well, I think that, in my opinion, she's the best companion the show's ever had. I've got to be honest. When the show came back with Eccleston in 2005, I thought she was brilliant in it. I thought she she was the jumping on on piece with me because I, I didn't really get Eccleston's Doctor, if you know what I mean. I didn't mm -hmm. really recognise him as the Doctor. I really had problems recognising him yeah. as the character that I'd known and loved up to that point. But I loved Rose straight away. And just found Billy Piper incredibly likable, and um, I, I just loved the everyday sort of nature of a character, a relationship with a mum. I loved everything about her, and I thought a lot of it is Billy Piper's acting. I've got to be honest. I think I, as I said, I think she's very, very likable. There's something about her, like an everyday aspect. So yes, that would be my reason why I chose Rose. Really, okay, because there, there was quite a. Um... I'm gonna put it a backlash when her casting was announced. Yeah. Um. It was oh here we go. It's like the old day stunt casting. They've you know, they've cast a, a you know a pop star. This is gonna be awful, etc. etc. Yeah. Et um. Did did you sort of buy into that, or or were you more of an open mind? That was more of an open mind, really. I just wanted to yeah. see what it was gonna be like. I didn't. I didn't. I think my thoughts were more on Eccleston, thinking what's the Doctor gonna be like, rather than what Rose would be like. Yeah. And seeing her such a strong character straight away. Um, you know, maybe warm to her immediately, whereas I didn't with Eccleston. And I think also, and I've said before, I think a lot of problem with Eccleston was that after Rose was transmitted, the episode Rose, yeah. it was announced he was leaving, wasn't it? So exactly, yeah. Immediately I thought, oh, well, let's get on with the next guy then, because I had seen Tennant in something else and thought he'd be great, yeah, he's going to be great. It's more like the Doctor I imagined. So I don't think I really ever allowed myself to give Eccleston a chance, if I'm being honest. Do you know what I mean? To to Because I just thought he's because I just didn't see it in him at all, the Doctor, unfortunately. And so when the show came back, I missed, although it was great to have the show back, I sort of missed its central character mm. that only for me reappeared when, when Tenants took over in Christmas Invasion. I thought, oh, there he is, there's the Doctor. So, was... so maybe that helped my, my enjoyment of Rose even more, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I identified with, I followed her, it was her journey, I think. Well, they were, but I, I suppose you could say they were both sort of quite left-field choices uh, yeah. to, to head up the show when it came back because Eccleston was... Really known as being a quite a serious actor, and to appear in Doctor Who, it certainly surprised me as much as Billy Piper's casting did. If, I, if yeah, I'm yeah. if I'm perfectly honest, yeah. um, and see, this is the <laughs> this this is the, my, my problem. I I'm not a big fan of Rose Tyler as a character, right? Um, and and it's funny enough, I preferred her with Eccleston than I did with um, Tennant. 
Yeah. Because I found the character became just that. I know that's how it was how it was written because it was all heading to that bit where they were separated at the, at the very end. It just became a little bit too smug. Yeah, I can totally see that. I think that's exactly what Bob and and Craig think as well about Rose. And I yeah. can see see why why he would I, I see that. Um, and I saw it too, but I didn't like that side of the character at all. But I. I think, the, and I think the problem is that that the te- that's been the template ever since because I've found <laughs> all the characters, uh, all the companions, quite smug, especially Amy and especially Clara as well. After this, do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, um, and I, that's the character I really dislike. It's, it's in River Song, and it, I can't stand it. I just can't stand it in River Song. I don't like River Song at all. And I think it's that smugness that I really dislike. And I understand why everyone would feel that about season two, Rose, because I agree that uh, the first season she was. It, it was better. The character was written better, I think, in the first season. I, I, I yeah, certainly agree with that. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know whether it's just because there wasn't that. Well, I suppose you could say there was kind of that romance angle with between um, her and Eccleston's doctor, but it yeah. wasn't quite. Set. It was more sort of underplayed. Yeah. But by the definitely. time, but the time Tennant come along, um, she was hopelessly in love with him, and come the end, he was in love with her as well. Um, and yeah, and I just found that all the, all the way through it, um, sort of building up to that, it, the characters became annoying. And I know that I think I've, I've said this many many times anyway. That was the whole point. They were they were getting too comfortable with each other's existence, you know, being in each other's company. Yeah, really. And it was yeah. head and it was heading for a, you know, for for you know for tragedy at the end. You know, in Doomsday. Yeah, it was set up one set really. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I mean, what was your? Um, so you say it, it was the episode Rose, the uh, first episode that really sort of cemented the character for you. Well, I I just like knew that I liked her immediately in it. Do you know what I mean? I thought mm. she was great, and as every episode progressed, I liked her even more. I just thought, oh, she's really good because I think she's, as I said, just really likable. I just liked her. I liked how she played it. I think Billy Piper's got a very naturalistic way of acting. Do you know what I mean? She doesn't sound like someone that's giving out lines. She sounds like. There's someone that's making these words up as she speaks. Yeah, and I really, I really like that about her. Um, so yeah, I just, I just followed the character all the way through. Really, I, I, I didn't dislike anything about her in season one, especially, <laughs> and I can some completely see why why you'd feel that in season two. Yeah, I think as you said, the character did get smug and that's, but that was the aspect of the story that they wanted to put across, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think half the time, though, it, I-, I can't sort of get past that <laughs> that, yeah, that aspect. Really, it's, it's a shame um, because I think some of the stories in season season two are, are some absolute crackers. I mean, especially things like the Impossible Planet. Yes, brilliant. For argument's sake, um, which is really really good. But that's quite interesting because the um, for the for, for the majority of that sort of not so majority, but especially the second part, the Doctor and Rose are separated. Yeah. And and I think that's when the character, for me anyway, becomes likable again. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because she she sort of takes um, almost sort of takes control of the situation. She's trying to to be like the Doctor um, in in certain respects, and it doesn't sort of quite pay yeah. off, does it? No, I think, I think there's a there's a scene in um, the certain episode, or it might be the one before, uh, where she like mimics Tenant Tenant in a way she. Uh, is that she says to one of the people on the base, uh, oh, I can't remember what the word is, but she, the her mannerisms do it like, oh, sir, like she's copying Tennant. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. a really blatant copying. I thought she's just trying to be like the doctor, you know, or acting like, and I can see why she would do that as well as a, as a character. So, yeah, I can see, see where you're coming from with that. 
Yeah. No, I think I think that's just one of the better ones. But it, it's, I think again, it, it's sort of very very sort of hit and miss because how you got you've got the, you've gone from sort of like the uh, the road to the first series, which is. She's she's got more like a wide-eyed innocence about her, if if you know yeah. what I mean. She's still sort of trying to find her way around this new life that she she's got going on with the Doctor. That's right. Yeah. And then come series two, um, after you get past the Christmas invasion, it's like a completely different character. Yeah. And she's a lot more knowing than than she was before. And I don't know. I don't know if it's. I know as we've already said that you know that they're taking the character down a certain down a certain path yeah. but I also think they've sort of forgotten how to write her in, in certain ways because she's become this very needy clingy bitchy character especially if there's any other like when um, um, when Sarah Jane and K9 made their um, yeah. which I've forgotten the name of now School Reunion that's it yeah um, I know it sort of played for it was played for laughs wasn't it this, this yeah. one-upmanship her and Sarah Jane were um, having with each other Um but again, it was it was just a side of the character I didn't particularly engage with. No, no, no. I can I can see why really. You know, because um, the the jealous aspect came out with the, Mickey as well when she didn't want him in the TARDIS at the end of that episode. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then the very next scene is this that a girl in the fireplace and she's she's uh, right pally and chumming with him as they're exploring the ship. It's quite quite weird, really. Yeah, um, I got. Wasn't that sort of written with without that sort of that sort of you know that that sort of three-way relationship they had going on there um without really being sort of taken consideration because it's almost done like it's rose and mickey rather than rose and the doctor isn't it yeah yeah exactly that's just because obviously moffat wrote the uh girl in the fireplace didn't they so i don't think he knew no the circumstances of mickey coming on board so he had them all pallet at first yeah you know he's but you know it's just Inconsistency, the production team there really more than the character. Well, exactly because I mean that I mean the, you know, the doctor does fall in love with someone else, um, yeah. and it's just really wicked. There's not a hint of jealousy from Rose, really, is there? No, you no, know? It's, it's up and down, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that. I mean, the the line I do like that she that the way Billy Piper delivers it um, is when the doctor comes in drunk. Yes, and so here he is, the oncoming storm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I really love that. I really yeah, love I did, that. I did. I did. I did. I, I didn't on first watch. You know, a girl in the fireplace. I didn't, I didn't get it on first watch. I, I thought, oh no, I, I thought it was a bit of a turkey when I first watched it. Really? It, yeah, it was only on rewatch. Then when I watched it for the second, third time, I thought, ah, oh, this is really good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're very. I think I said, loved Empty Child and Doctor Dances so much from season one. I had high hopes for Stephen Moffat as I continue to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah, I, it, it's slightly disappointing on first watch, but you know, as I say, I really like it now. I think it's a great episode. Yeah. I just didn't like the bit where Tennant said, uh, I've, I've just snogged Madame, Madame Pompadour, or whatever her name was. Yeah. I didn't like that side of the doctor coming out, you know. And I think that's how they played, as you say, with Tennant's doctor and Rose. But he became like her boyfriend, didn't he? Basically. He did, it's, yeah. It's just, that's how they played it, you know. Well, I suppose at that point, though, I mean, that's when the sort of like, the, the, you know, the, the Rose, and, Rose and the doctor, that was at the height of the. Sort of the popularity really wasn't it? I think that yeah. I mean, you know, my personal opinion is I didn't like that side of the character, but it became massively popular with the public at that point, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, because I think the public identified with her character as well, 
I think Billy Piper is, is see, you know, he's still fondly remembered, isn't she? I think overall, I know a lot of the fans have the problems with Rose's character, but I think the general public, mm. you know, people like me mum, and uh, <laughs> people like you know, and other people that I know will watch from Doctor Who, but have given up now. That Billy Piper still remains their favourite of the companions, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think it's maybe the fans that are a bit more of a downer on her character. I suppose if you're sort of just, uh, I kind of put sort of like a, a newcomer to Doctor Who, and you know that's your f- like, like Eccleston is your first Doctor, Rose is your first companion. Um, yeah. You're always going to have that connection with them, yeah. really. No, um, yeah, definitely. You, you know, um, I mean, I suppose with, with with me, I've got that with Joe Grant. I mean, that's the who we. Who we, we, we Picked a third Doctor story when when I was on your podcast. Yeah, Three Devils. Right? Yeah, um, and I, I've got that connection with Joe Grant because Joe Grant was the yeah. first companion I can remember watching. Yeah, well, I think the you same know. with me with Sarah Jane because I I could I have really vague memories of the uh, Joe Grant era, but my fir- my really strong memories of Pertwee's last season. Mm. Even though I knew I was a big fan a long time before that, because I remember get, my dad getting me the tenth anniversary Radio Times thing. Yeah, and I, I knew you know a lot, so I've obviously been a fan for a long time. But my clear memories are of uh, Pertwee's last with Sarah Jane coming on board. So Sarah Jane Smith has definitely got resonates like that with me as well. You know, like like Joe does with you. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, I, I think it's also true as you say of Rose as well. I think that's true for me coming back into the show after it being off air for so long and obviously this was the first time that a companion had been written with any real sort of emotion or character arc or seeing that side of them more family side of them and I think that's why I still you know Rose remains my favourite companion I think mm. because of them very reasons you know I'm hoping that uh, that Bill's going to be a little bit more in the in the Rose mould, to be honest, and I, I think well, she I, might be. I think she might be as well. Actually, I know we got we've only got that little trailer to to, to go by so far, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a completely different dynamic between the Doctor and the Companion this time. Yeah, yeah. I, I really do. Um, but I was going to say, when sort of Billy Piper left, did you did you think that that was going to be it? You thought there was going to be no, no, you know no coming back for the character? You, you know, did you think that was the perfect end? Really. Yeah, so obviously you, you would hope they'd leave well alone for a bit, you know. I'd, I'd, yeah, I've, I have different opinions on the coming back. Mm. I think I think it didn't really um, enhance the character by coming back. I think the sort of, by playing that Bad Wolf Bear scene again was sort of milking it a little bit dry. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the Stolen Earth uh, two-parter. And I'm not a fan of season four, actually, in general. In fact, I think that remains my least favourite season of all New Who, actually. Oh, right, so that, okay. Yeah, I didn't really like Catherine Tate in the role, to be honest, and as Donna. At the time, I think looking back, see, when I did my rewatch, looking back, I enjoyed her more on the second sort of time I went through it all. Yeah. But at the time, yeah, I just didn't, I just want, I couldn't see past the fact that it was Catherine Tate, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. I know what you mean, because I think that it was that. Because she's so she's so ingrained in the public consciousness with the Catherine Tate show, and I think this this was the baggage that Billy Piper brought with her as well. It was that she's so ingrained as as being a, a like a teenage pop star and yeah. marrying Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. so she brought that baggage with her, and I think Billy Piper successfully left that behind her. Definitely. And I think Catherine Tate did that as well. Really, Definitely, when yeah. she became a full time companion. Um, she's been. I mean, I think Catherine Tate is probably my favourite companion since the series came back. Really? Uh, yeah, I really do. I, I I really like Catherine Tate in the run. I think she had quite a, a, a decent character arc as well. If you think how that character began, I know, yeah. I know we're not here to talk about Catherine Tate or Donna Noble, <laughs> but you know. Um, but I think that, that I think that's the sort of 
if if going looking back, I think that's how I'd, I would like to have seen Rose go down that that yeah. that that route. If it, rather rather than sort of like uh, the boyfriend girlfriend yeah, kind of thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but I say she's got plenty of fans out there, and, and you're you're one of them. So yeah, definitely. You know, uh, yeah. I think I mean you can see why they went that route with it as well, especially when the cast tenant is the doctor. Mm. That it would be. You know, to keep that female audience there with him as well, is just to have that hint of that romance between the Doctor and, and her. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm a fan of that myself, because I, I like the Doctor just being, you know, like Mal Matt Smith played it more, you know, and like the earlier Doctors, I don't run him really having girlfriends and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, the, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. Well, um, I, <laughs> <laughs> well I, think, I think, again, that's the show's baggage, isn't it? Because the, the Doctor's yeah. always been that sort of... Uh, fairly asexual yeah, really exactly. and and all of a sudden they've introduced this romantic side to the doctor uh yeah. which really you only have to look back to the paul mcgann tv movie that's yeah, when exactly. it was when it was first introduced and i know that the hardcore fans really didn't like that either did they so no, no well i think but i didn't mind i mean the, th- the thing is with the mcgann movie and with with the current series i sort of can look past it it doesn't spoil my enjoyment of it really no I'd just rather the doctor was you know like capaldi is now i suppose even though i'm not capaldi's biggest fan either but <laughs> more that like the way that uh that his doctor is completely sort of asexual really i, I prefer that side of the character Coming yeah up. don't know why we have to starve the doctor of, of love and tenderness exactly but, so that's just the way it is sorry yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'd like to see the character suffer don't we so. yeah of course yeah he can't have happiness what is this what's happiness? that about yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So I mean, so given, going back to Billy Piper again, so so taking the consideration the the, the, the popularity of the character and of Billy Piper herself, yeah. um, did it come to any surprise to you that she was cast in the 50th anniversary special? No, I was I was pleased that she was, and I was I was really pleased that the character was not Rose. Yes, well. I thought that was great. That it, it was the moment. I think she did a brilliant job at that character. Yeah, I you think know. so as well. Yeah. yeah, I think it was definitely the best way to use user you know definitely yeah i mean there was no there was just you know the only sort of realization of you know the when tenant got right at the end when, when um the war doctor said oh, oh bad wolf girl i could kiss you and he, he just but bad wolf you yeah, know yeah, exactly. um and i know a lot of fans were hoping that tenant's doctor would see her and, and meet her and, and and talk again you know yeah. in, in the guise of rose um do you feel that was a missed opportunity or, or, or was that the right thing to do no it's definitely the right thing to do we don't want that baggage hanging on to the 50th had enough to do <laughs> didn't it really it no, did it just, yeah it was the best way to use like utilize billy pipe and it made logical sense and it was great and she was great in it i thought she was fantastic in it yeah oh yeah yeah, I she loved was. the fiftieth. Uh, apart from the fact that uh, that Paul McGann wasn't in playing the War Doctor part, that's that's the only been, that's the thing I didn't like about the fiftieth. That's the thing that'll always spoil it for me. Yeah, I know they sort of they went on the basis that Eccleston didn't want to come back, and he's he's got his reasons, and yeah. it's it's just a shame really that he doesn't want to engage with it any longer. But um, yeah. well, not to that extent anyway. Um, and my natural choice would have been McGann after him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then he wouldn't have had all that. The need for John Hurt or, or this extra Doctor that suddenly has appeared out of nowhere and yeah. messed up all the all the counting and stuff, all the numbers. <laughs> How dare he do that? Uh, well, it still no. it still makes sense though. The way the way Moffat wrote it, it, it does sort of make yeah. sense. He hasn't. Yeah. You know. If he went down that that path, then then he did the best way to do it. But I just think he should have thought Eccleston can't do it right. Go back to Doctor McGann. McGann had done a brilliant job, a brilliant job with that exact same script. 
It had been wonderful. He would have done. That had been yeah. the ultimate fiftieth to see them because you then you've had three doctors together rather than two guys, two doctors and a guest guy. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, yeah. that's how it turned out. It anyway. is unfortunate. Yeah, but but at least you got John Hurt in the role. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You can't you can't ask for much more than that, really, can you? No, no, no. You know, no. and Billy Piper, as I say, was fantastic in it. She was she was great at the moment. Oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah. So I'm thinking. So what about these sort of the the, the Rose Mickey dynamic as well because I always felt sorry for Mickey. Yeah, though she, she treated him very, very badly, really, didn't she? She did. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, you know, it, it's uh, she had this problem with uh, with Amy how she treated Rory. You see, I didn't like the way she treated, but strangely, I seem to forgive her Rose <laughs> uh, with how she treated Mickey because it is a similar thing in a way. Yeah, because but he was a bit of a lapdog, wasn't he? Really, he was really. Yeah, um, but I did. I mean, I did like it that sort of Mickey found his own feet. Actually, yeah, and, definitely, yeah, and sort of became quite a sort of like a, a badass, really, didn't they? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Sort yeah, of towards yeah. the end, um, yeah. but it, it, what I found about the Rose character, she always wanted to come home to Mickey, though. She just liked the fact he was, he was there, almost like um, I'm not thinking of like Charlie Brown, Lawrence's comfort blanket. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what he was like. You know, it's like, it's like to her, sort of, Mickey was like a comfortable pair of slippers. Yeah. You know, we just wanted to come home to him. So, um, again, that was, um, it's a solid character I didn't like, but it actually sort of quite sort of realistic in a way, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it was, it was, it was good, yeah, realistic, because you do get, get guys like that, don't you? And obviously, and, and women that treat them like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, but as you say, I like the fact that he, he did get a backbone as this show went on. It did get a character out, didn't he? Yeah, and exactly. She, she, she had a, a story act to, to act against that as well, against Mickey. I, I like that whole dynamic, really, did him. Yeah. Really did. So, uh, then, Sorry, I was about to yes. say the thing. I, well, speaking of endings, the thing that I didn't like, and when Rose did come back in that season four, um, uh, season uh, you know finale of that, yeah. that season four, um, was the fact that she comes holding massive guns and shooting massive guns and all that, and not flinching when explosions are going off and all that sort of stuff. I really hated that. <laughs> I really hated it. You know, well, sort of like, no, sort of it because it, 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 it was that proposed um spin off show, wasn't there? Rose Tyler, yeah. Defender of Earth, or something. Yeah, that'd have been horrendous. Really. <laughs> it'd have been worse than Torchwood, so I mean, you know, that says it all. Really. Yeah, I, I must admit, I didn't really engage with Torchwood much no. until Children of Earth, funnily enough. Yeah. And then they, oh, yeah, Children of Earth was great, yeah, it? then they undid all that goodwill with uh, <laughs> Miracle Day, far as I'm concerned, yes. so yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Don't bring it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Barrowman's trying, isn't he? He's yeah, he definitely he trying to bring it trying. back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, I mean, the other sort of um, boyfriend potential that uh, Rose had, which I just remembered actually, was Adam. Right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. now that, I'm glad, sort of glad that didn't really go anywhere, did it? Not really. She just soon soon ditched him, didn't she? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Another harsh side to her, but I still forgive her. <laughs> well, he was a massive twat, wasn't he? Really? So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a technical term. Yeah. yeah. No, I, can yeah. I can imagine Nicholson's doctor saying that to him. So yeah, that's true. Just yeah, sort yeah. of shutting the tardy stones, going, "You twat." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just about did with that. He could have had it written it on his head when just when that little thing opened. Exactly. Well, you yeah. Know, <laughs> made it part of the word. Yeah. Oh, oh, that that's a great idea. They should have done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's so, get someone to CJ that in, see what happens. Oh, someone will. Someone's out yeah. there who's quite more than capable of doing that one, quite sure, <laughs> quite sure. So what was your, so if you, if you had to pick um, your favourite Rose story, what would it be? 
Oh, well, it depends really for the character of Rose or for the show. I think my whole, my favourite, yeah, it's hard to say really. Um, I mean, I love, as you said before, the, the Impossible Planet Satan Pit is, in, is a story, but I don't think that's Rosie's best. I would probably say that maybe something like Father's Day would probably be my yes. pick for the character of Rose yeah. and the way that she plays it. So, yeah, I'm yeah. going to Father's Day. Yeah, because she does make some sort of catastrophic mistakes in that, doesn't she? She does, yeah, she does. You know, yeah. um, but I, was, I also found that one sort of quite um, sort of heartrending. It is. In the I mean, end, you know, yeah. especially that bit, she's, oh, you're my daddy, you know. Yeah, exactly, I, yeah. Yeah, that, I must admit that gets me every time, that bit, to yeah. be honest. You know. She plays it great, you know, she does play it great. A, I say that naturalistic aspect to her acting. Yeah. Spot on, spot on. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now that's that's a good choice actually. That's a that's a very good choice. You know, I think it's this one that I think a lot of people forget about Father's Day. They always go for the big emotional like doomsday and and, and, and things yeah. like that. Um but that's sort of quite a um one of those middle of the series episodes that people tend to forget about. Yeah, it had a heart to it though, didn't it? And you saw that, you know, and she brought that through the character as well. Oh god, yeah. You know, yeah. that's what it's all about, really. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, obviously, sort of the flip side to that, what's the Rose story you don't particularly care for? One that she, you didn't really thought, no, she doesn't work in this story. Oh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good, uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, I don't really, I can't think of, nothing's leaping to my, my mind at all because I think she played it great throughout, really. I can't think of anything. I think there's obviously stuff like fear her. Uh, Things like that, but that's just a bad episode, isn't it? Right? Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, anything she's done. So I can't. Um, no, I can't think of anything. I liked. I liked Billy Piper. I loved Rose. I thought that she was a great character, and I think she stayed at the exact the amount right time as well. She left at the right time. Yeah. Um. So no, I can't think of anything. Sorry. No, no, that's good. That's good actually, because I mean, um, yeah. I sort of ask that question. Most people can usually think of something, but it's actually uh, well, quite refreshing that you actually yeah. can't think of a bad thing to say about it. So. Especially me, because I wear the Mister Negative T-shirt and Proctor every <laughs> week, so I don't know what's happening. It's coming onto your show, Phil. It must be, must be. Yeah, we always we always exude positiveness on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feeling better already. <laughs> Right, okay. Well, thanks very much, Mark, um, for for joining us uh, for this oh, episode. Welcome. Excellent no stuff. Um, but before we uh, before we wrap up, and this is customary in in these uh, on these occasions, uh, yes. could you tell everybody where they can find your wonderful podcast? Okay, well, we're on Twitter at Mark Doctor. Uh, we're on. Uh, we've got a website www.progtohu.co.uk. We're also on iTunes. Put Prog to Who in. That's P O P O P R O G T O R. Prog to Who uh, into iTunes, and then you'll be find all our episodes. And uh, we've got the randomizer coming up, which is we're going to be pressing a button at the end of each episode, and that's going to select the story we're next going to look look at and review. Ooh. It's very scary. It's going to, everything's in there. Everything that we've not already reviewed. So it could be missing episodes. Could be all sorts. So God knows if it's Nightmare in Silver, I'm packing podcast. <laughs> It's stopping. I'm telling you That's now. it. You heard it yeah, here first, it. folks. You heard it yeah. here first. So not doing that one. Well, I mean, I must re- tell everybody. I know I'm not just saying because I've, I've guessed on the podcast myself. It is a truly great podcast, and I mean, I advise everybody to listen to it if you haven't done so already because yeah, it's thank you, Phil. it's really good. It is most excellent. Thank you. Okay, so um, once again, Mark, thank you very much for joining us this evening. You're very welcome, Phil. Cheers.
were listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Thank you.